Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. Well, hello and welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. This is a show that's designed to inform and inspire you to a healthier lifestyle. I am your host, Diane A. Thompson, MD, and as always, it is my pleasure spending time with you on this broadcast with the goal that you will learn something that may take your health and your life to a higher level. I realize that you could be someplace else, and many of you come here every single week, and I want to let you know that I really, really appreciate this. I'm very grateful. Now, interestingly enough, Today's show, and a lot of you have emailed me about this show with a lot of excitement because we don't often have dentists on many of these health shows. We are talking about having healthy teeth for a lifetime. This broadcast is for educational and informational purposes only and not intended for diagnosis or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. Many times in a quest for great health, we ignore the health of our teeth. And there are many studies out there that show that poor dental health may be linked to other diseases. And of course, we also know that the condition of our teeth can sometimes reflect upon the rest of our health. So today, we're very fortunate to have a guest who will talk with us about healthy teeth, having healthy teeth for a lifetime. And I did not get to talk to you before the start of the show, so I don't want to butcher your name. So pronounce your name for me. Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Alex Schwartzman. Dr. Alex Schwartzman. And he's a holistic dentist. He's going to tell us what that means. And he's also the author of the book, Your Path to Healthier Dentistry, A Holistic Approach to Keeping Your Teeth for a Lifetime. Once again, welcome to the show and Share with our listeners a little bit about your background. I mentioned to them that you're a holistic dentist and and you're an author. Tell us a little more about your background. Um, Well, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I have a a BS in biology. That was my primary interest, so I studied biology. And um, I chose dentistry because I, I wanted to do something with my life that I would enjoy. And I'm a natural-born artist, and dentistry, for me at least, is a kind of a, a marriage of, of art and science. And so it has the two things that I love, biology, science, I mean, biology and, and art. And, and so when I came out of dental school, I really focused on cosmetic dentistry, and I pursued that for about a decade. And over that decade, what I learned was that people really – most people hate going to the dentist. And so when people would meet me and they would find out that I was a dentist, they would say one of two things. They would either point to their mouth and say, what do you think of this? Or about 90% of the time they would say, I hate you, but don't take it personally. (laughs) And I really took it personally, and it really bothered me. So I decided to address that because it really was gnawing at me for many, many years. 
And I basically gave up my practice. I moved, and I moved much close to my house, five minutes from my house, and I built a brand-new office. And the purpose of this practice was to focus on the, on the very phobic patient because I knew that with all this modern technology and just by being empathetic and sympathetic, dentistry can be delivered in a very comfortable manner. And that was my kind of purpose for many years. And over the years, I... I stumble onto something called biomimetic dentistry, and we're going to talk about it a little later. But what happened was, as I start, and I started writing articles about it because I was very enthusiastic about it. And one of the things about me is I love being a dentist. I'm very fortunate in my life is that I really found a career that fulfills me. It, it's I almost feel like I was born for this. It, it really it comes very naturally to me. And I love what I do. I look forward to Mondays. I look forward to every day go to work. I get to help people, which is a joy in of itself. And I get to do what I love. And I, I get to do something that I could use my natural born talents in. And so I'm very happy as a dentist. But what happened was I started running with biomedic dentistry. Um, I started attracting a lot of holistic patients because they liked what it was about. And as I started treating more of these patients, um, I found that the holistic patients and the phobic patients had something in common, and that is most dentists hate treating these people because the phobic patients, they call behind closed doors pain-in-the-ass patients, and the holistic patients, they call pain-in-the-ass patients, and they kind of, it already starts as in a negative kind of tone, you know, a lot of eye-rolling, things like that. So people kind of were dismissed or dismissed. Not every dentist, I don't want to say that, but a lot of dentists behind closed doors will kind of roll their eyes and scoff and, you know, like they almost want to say that they'd rather these patients went somewhere else. So I basically treat both groups of people the same. I, you know, what I found with, with these holistic patients is that there were either people who were very sick and modern, conven- modern conventional medicine failed them and or they have friends or family members who are very sick and they don't want to get sick themselves. So these people, they seek out, you know, a healthier way to help themselves. And as I learned from these people, as I learned from my patients, I, I began to become more holistic myself and I began to listen and learn from them. And I'm very grateful for um, the holistic uh, segment of my population. And I really enjoy treating these people because one of the, key things is just to be open-minded and listen. And I think that's what primary doctors need to do. But unfortunately, in today's kind of fast-paced, insurance-driven world, um, doctors spend less time listening to people. And that's what people really need the most is to be listened to. So that's kind of my my story. That's And, and here I am today basically uh, really embracing the holistic um, dental uh, you know, practice and also holistic lifestyle for me personally. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, first of all, I love that you love being a dentist. <laughs> I think if I'm going to a dentist, it's going to be someone who love, uh, who actually loves what he does. But um, and I and I think the the mindset that your holistic patients have about their health really is is a healthy mindset. That's the way we should look at health in a preventative fashion. Yeah. So what how different is being a holistic dentist from a traditional dentist? Okay. 
Great question. Um, you know, there's no definition of holistic dentistry. Holistic dentistry is not really a subspecialty of dentistry, but I think as it, you know, I could only speak for myself, but I think as a generality, holistic dentists, you know, the word holistic, if you look it up in the dictionary, means the whole body or keeping the whole body in mind. So I think holistic dentists at least should care about not putting toxic materials into people's mouths that can adversely affect the rest of their body. And unfortunately, dentistry has a lot of toxic materials that people know about and that they don't know about. And so one of the things I want to educate your your listeners is, is about the various toxins in dentistry that they should avoid. And I think everyone knows about mercury, um, although I'll be honest with you, I was very surprised to, to learn how few people don't know that the silver, what's called silver amalgam fillings, mm-hmm. they don't know they're about 50 to 55% mercury. And I can't tell you how many patients come in, you know, really upset that the dentist put 50% mercury fillings in their mouth uh, and they weren't informed of that. Now, some right. states like California make the dentist put actually a sign in the reception area that they use mercury fillings. But that's rare. Most states don't uh, require that. So a lot of people get fillings put in their mouths and other materials put in their mouths without really knowing what's in them and not knowing what what, the, what these materials do. So, for instance, a lot of the pink denture materials have cadmium in it, which is a toxin. Um, a lot of crowns have nickel and some of them have lead in them because a lot of the crowns today are made overseas in countries like China and Pakistan and Costa Rica where labor is cheap. And so dentists actually send, send the dental work to other countries to be made where their, where their you know, regulations are very, very loose. And so there have been reports um, in the media and in dentistry uh, of lead in crowns of people getting a lead poisoning. Um, there, and also some of the bonding agents have glutaraldehyde in them. And there's a technique of doing baby teeth root canals where former cresol, another toxin, carcinogen, is used. And this is kind of standard of care in dentistry today where for some reason it's okay to place these toxins into people's mouths. And we're taught that it's okay. And so when you're a, a dental, you know, student in dental school, you're taught that there's no harm in these materials. And, you know, if you don't research, if you don't learn further, you just kind of regurgitate that information to your patients. Oh, don't worry about the mercury. You know, it's, it's not a problem. Um, so. So what, what, what should a patient do? I mean, if this is standard of practice and they walk in to a dentist's office and, you know, no one says anything and <laughs> how does a patient protect well, themselves? Well, you know, the great thing is the Internet. You know, I, and, and that's why I love treating the holistic population because they are so educated. They come in asking great questions. These people really care about their health, and they, they really research the materials, and they come in asking great questions, and I, I love that. I love that people take in charge of their own health. And, you know, unfortunately, the dental industry – and the government and the insurance industry 
don't really care about the individual. And I think what's going to happen is, I think what needs to happen is that it has to come from the ground up. It has to come from the people. And I think as more people become more educated through the Internet and through shows like yours, which is wonderful, then they're going to come in and request non-toxic dentistry. And once that happens, then, then the industry will have to change. You know, we saw that in the tobacco industry. We, we're seeing that with, with uh, fluoride in the water. Um, you know, we, we're seeing that you know, with, uh, with trans fats, all these things. Really, the people are making choices with their dollars. And I think that's what needs to happen. I think it's the only way it has to happen because you know, the big three really don't care. You know, not the dental organized dentistry, you know, the ADA are still saying amalgams are safe. And they're still saying it's okay to put 50% mercury into people's teeth. So, obviously, these organizations don't care. Is this what uh, motivated you into writing this book? Yes. Uh, The motivation was I really want people to, you know, to learn about the various kind of toxins, kind of what I call the dirty little secrets in dentistry. And, you know, my book is heavily referenced by peer-reviewed journals and various books, so it's not something I just made up off the cuff. Um, everything I say in the book is evidence-based, and everything I say in the book is, um, you know, it's backed up by literature. Uh, the problem, what I have discovered in dentistry is that, uh, especially when it comes to mercury, um, this, these studies is, are not published in the dental journals. Uh, they're published in like neurological journals and, and, and uh, materials journals and other journals. So dentists um, don't read these journals for the most part, so they have no knowledge of this. Um, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've joined various holistic dental organizations where these studies are talked about and these studies are brought into the forefront. So I am exposed to this more than the average dentist. Dr. Diane A. Thompson is an author, a dynamic speaker, and a workshop leader. If you would like to hire her to speak at your event, please visit www.drdianethompson.com. Also, sign up for updates and for her free ebook on stress at www.drdianethompson.com. That's www.drdianethompson.com. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Dr. Alex Schwarzman, and he's a holistic dentist, and we just learned what a holistic dentist is. He's also the author of the book, Your Path to Healthier Dentistry, A Holistic Approach to Keeping Your Teeth for a Lifetime. And interesting, you mentioned earlier about um, the different toxins, and you touched upon uh, the topic of the filling. And I really want to go back to that. I'm one of those people who also, I I have fillings in and I've gone in and, you know, they've told me that it doesn't matter, although I know otherwise. So what are better fillings that people should be using? Okay. So I think it's a great question, but let's kind of back up a little bit because I think um, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to answer it in in the... um, by answering another question, what is biomimetic dentistry? So, mm-hmm. which is which is one of the things I'm very passionate about. So, so basically, 
what, what I, one of my core beliefs, my core values is that nature is and always will be better than anything humans will ever invent, when, especially when it comes to biology. So we can out, outwit or outdo nature. Nature had millions of years to perfect, you know, the living organisms and humans, we're just not smart enough and, and clever enough and, you know, intelligent enough to do better. So biomimetic dentistry means mimicking biology. So what biomimetic dentists like myself do is we look for materials and we choose materials that emulate or mimic the tooth and we restore the tooth, the physics of the tooth, the structure of the tooth, the shape of the tooth to mimic nature. Now, when, you, when I say this, I would, I would imagine most of, or all of your listeners would say, well, of course, duh, you know, that's a, why wouldn't you do that? And the problem is that is not how dentists are taught how to restore teeth because dentistry is built on woodworking techniques and metallurgy techniques of the 1800s. And all those, you know, 18, early 1800s techniques are still taught in every dental school in the United States as the means to restore teeth. So dentists kind of treat teeth as little white rock, white rocks. You could just drill and chisel into smithereens and fill them with whatever without really giving much thought to how nature built the tooth. So when I build teeth, I think about that a lot. I see the tooth. I know how the tooth works especially the physics of it. And I build teeth, I rebuild the inner core of the tooth, and I rebuild the outer layer of the tooth with materials that are like the tooth. So let's talk about the typical dental restorations. Let's talk about the metal fillings. And they, and they could be, you know, mercury, uh, silver fillings. They could be gold fillings. The problem with hard metal in teeth is that the way nature built a tooth is the tooth is about 95% flexible. It's kind of like a tree where the tree is solid and hard, but it bends in the wind. It's resilient. It's stress absorbing. And that's how teeth are built. The problem with this, with this material, which is dentin, is that this material is very wearable. And so what nature did to fix that problem with teeth wearing prematurely is it covered it in a rock. It covered it in enamel, which is 99% crystal, a rock. And so you have something that's flexible, that's overlaid by a thin layer of something that's really hard and wear resistant. What happens is when you cut into a tooth, when you make a hole in a tooth through a cavity or through intentional drilling of a hole, because there's a technique that's taught in every dental school. It's called extension for prevention, meaning you intentionally drill away healthy tooth structure and plug it with amalgam. Now, that was a technique that was taught in the early 1800s, and it's still being taught today. So it, it, dentists are taught to drill away healthy parts of the tooth for basically no good reason. That exists today. So... What metal fillings do is they act as, so when you take something hard and metallic 
and non-flexible and stick it in the center of something that's supposed to be flexible, the, the metal filling begins to crack the tooth. And I have seen thousands and thousands of teeth break and crack because of this problem. And the problem with metal filling, with amalgam filling specifically, is they're based on woodworking principles. So you actually, so when you have a cavity, the cavity actually creates a bowl-shaped lesion. So if you put something into a bowl and you turn the bowl upside down, whatever is in the bowl falls out. So dentists are taught to now cut under the cusps of the tooth and make a dovetail joint. So your listeners who know anything about woodworking techniques, in, you know, in the old days before, you know, screws and, and, and nails, they would actually make a dovetail joint or a trapezoidal sh- shape to lock the pieces of wood together. So that's how dentists treat teeth. They lock metal into the tooth and weaken the tooth more than the cavity did. So along comes white fillings. Now, the problem with white fillings, the majority of them are much, much more flexible than the tooth. So what happens is when you chew on a tooth with a very flexible filling, the filling deforms more than the tooth, and then the, the, the seal or the bond between the tooth and the filling breaks and rips. And so what, a lot of white fillings leak and fail prematurely because they're too flexible. So the solution is to use materials that are as close to nature in their physics as possible. And fortunately, in 2013, there are several materials that fit the bill. And biomimetic dentists use these materials and understand how, you know, the different flexibilities in the tooth, because the tooth is actually flexible differently in different layers of the tooth. And by layering the tooth like nature does, the filling in the tooth work in harmony with each other and not against the tooth or the tooth against the filling. So the answer to your question about what what fillings should a, a patient choose, the answer is they need to choose a biomimetic filling. And because, to be honest with you, until I saw the information on your website and your book, I did not know much about this biomimetic dentistry or filling. So um, are there many and, and dentists out there doing this? Unfortunately, no. And so there, there's, a, there's a dentist, and his name is David Alleman. He's a dentist out of Utah, and he has spent his entire career putting together all the research. You know, he's, he's read thousands upon thousands of articles in peer-reviewed journals, kind of combing through the literature, trying to create a, a cohesive technique or series of techniques that can create a, a synthetic reconstruction of a tooth that mimics nature. So, so, and there's several dentists throughout the world who kind of converged on this idea sort of independently. And there's a dentist um, in Italy who, who kind of follows this approach, and there's a dentist in Switzerland who now fortunately teaches in one of the universities in, in America. 
kind of the three of them kind of got together and kind of put their heads together and, and came up with this concept. And each one kind of came from, from a different angle. And what Dr. Allman does, he travels around the country and he kind of gives this course on biomimetic dentistry. And that's when I was exposed to, to it. And I felt, I felt this was just such a right way to treat teeth. Um, when I was a, in, when I was into cosmetic dentistry, I used to layer the teeth to mimic nature aesthetically. So I would layer, you know, the dentin layer and the enamel layer using different materials based on the color of the tooth. I didn't really think about the physics portion of, of the tooth. And with, when Dr. Allman introduced this to me, it was a really like, a, like an eye-opening concept. And I was so thrilled about this, and I felt but how you just felt that more dentists should do this because this is the right way to treat teeth. And together with uh, four of the dentists, two years ago, we sat down and we felt that the world needs to know about this more, dentists and patients. And we formed the Academy of Biomimetic Dentistry two years ago. So we are, I'm kind of I'm one of the founding fathers of this organization. And its purpose is to educate dentists and patients. And um, so... We're trying, <laughs> but well, the problem so is the, the the other thought though is I mean uh, <coughs> this is this may be catching on soon, and I hope more dentists will learn more about it um, if it's beneficial for patients. Yeah, but what about you know for for people who are out there looking to get a filling, and maybe the dentist they're with is not practicing this type of dentistry. Is there a particular one of, of the available fillings right now that's out there that you would say is better than some of the others in terms of won't be toxic well, to your house? Right. Well, there, there are basically three categories of fillings. Well, four. You could have a gold filling, which has the metal problem we spoke about, the rigid within the flexible tooth, you have the mercury silver fillings, which is even worse because you actually undermine the tooth. You have resin fillings or composite fillings, which most of them are too flexible. And you have porcelain fillings, which actually have the same problem as the metal fillings. It's glass. It's too rigid. Now, glass happens to be very close to enamel, and the glass or the porcelain restorations be, belong on the outside of the tooth, like nature designed the tooth. And the inner core of the tooth has to be built with materials that resemble the physics of dentin. So to answer your question, there's no like one filling. It really is a concept and a technique. And fortunately, there are about 250 dentists in this country that are trained by Dr. Allman and our biomimetic dentists. And there's at least one dentist in every state. <laughs> um, so I think, I think, like I told you earlier, I think it ha part of it has to come from the ground up. Patients need to, I think, educate the dentists and say, you know what? I, want to, I would like a biomimetic filling. And the dentist is going to say, what's that? And the patient say, you know what? Go on the Internet and learn about it. And I think when, dent when patients will start asking their, their dentists more about this, hopefully most dentists will listen to their patients and not have this God complex that I know everything and you're, you know, you don't. 
and, you know, be open-minded and empathetic, and hopefully they want to do the right thing and treat their patients right, because my goal is to restore the tooth once. I want to touch my patient's teeth once, and that's it. I want to build teeth to last a patient's lifetime. One of the key ways is very simple. There's nothing better than the tooth. One of my favorite sayings is, there's no dentistry better than no dentistry. In other words, we need to preserve as much of our natural teeth as possible. So one of the tenets, one of the core values of biomimetic dentistry is minimally minimally invasive and tooth-conserving dentistry. And so that's kind of my dental religion. I try to save every bit of the natural tooth as possible, and when I have, when the tooth is missing a part of it, then I'm going to choose materials that mimic nature. All right. So um, uh, this is good information for our listeners to actually go out there and research because, as I said, for me also, this is very new. I'm learning this stuff for the very first time. So uh, people should really go research this information and, and have a talk with your dentist about it. Absolutely. Know, Do the yeah. research. You know, don't take, don't take my word for it. Go on the Internet. You know, read my book. Read, read a, you know, other books on biomedic dentistry. They're out there. And educate yourself. You know, I think you need to become an educated consumer. You know, you have to, you have to take, I, I believe people need to take charge of their health. The days that we go to the doctor, and the doctor knows everything and tells you what to do, and you just go, uh-huh, and do it, I think those days are over and should be over. I, I agree. I, I totally agree with you on that, yes. Because the problem is, unfortunately, the way medicine is today in my opinion, it's mostly cut and drug, cut and drug, cut and drug, cut and drug. And I think we do, there's, there's too little of treating symptoms. I mean, there's too much of treating symptoms and too little of treating the cause. Mm-hmm. For instance, if somebody is a type 2 diabetic, they're going to throw all kinds of drugs at them and really not discuss dietary intervention, which is the cause mm-hmm. of type 2 diabetes in the first place. You know, instead of taking metformin and insulin, you should be maybe controlling your carb intake, which is what was the cause of the disease in the first place. But what's the solution in modern medicine? Eat your brownies and pump more insulin in there. I think that's wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. Dr. Diane A. Thompson is an author, a dynamic speaker, and a workshop leader. If you would like to hire her to speak at your event, please visit www.drdianethompson.com. Also, sign up for updates and for her free ebook on stress at www.drdianethompson.com. That's www.drdianethompson.com. Again, this is Dr. Alex Schwarzman, and he's a holistic dentist and the author of the book, Your Path to Healthier Dentistry, a holistic approach to keeping your teeth for a lifetime. Uh, on uh, the second half of our program, I want to continue to talk about some of the dental treatments that are out there and to talk about, you know, some of them are kind of controversial and, of course, there are also some newer uh, technologies out there. So let's uh, go back to something you talked about earlier, that of fluoride. I remember as a child, uh, they made sure that the water had fluoride. We would go in for fluoride treatment. Oh. What are your thoughts on fluoride? Okay. 
So if you go on the Internet or you, if you read a book on fluoride, um, you're going to read about all the, the horrible things fluoride does to us, you know, the thyroid issues, the, the bone burdenless issues, and various other issues. And everything you read about fluoride is true. But the key thing to understand about fluoride is everything you read about fluoride has to do with systemic fluoride. In other words, the fluoride that you swallow, that you ingest. So I think water fluoridation was one of the worst government health experiments on the public in the United States. It's it's a terrible thing. Because one of the things is fluoride does nothing to help the adult population. You could make the argument maybe about children, but for adults it does nothing except harm them. So why would you put fluoride in the water that will harm the adults? And people, you know, there there are towns and states all over the country that are fluoridating their water. And the people that get hurt the most are the poor population, people who can't afford to buy, you know, Poland Spring water. They drink tap water. But the problem is you cook with it. And what people don't understand also is you don't know where your bottled beverage is bottled. So if you're drinking a soda or some kind of juice from concentrate, there's no government regulation to tell you that the water that was added to the drink has fluoride or not fluoride. So no one really knows what you're getting. That's a problem. Now, here's the other side of the fluoride coin. The The other side is when fluoride is applied to teeth, it's actually beneficial in reducing tooth decay. So when you apply fluoride to teeth, it actually helps to heal tooth decay in the enamel layer. And when the enamel gets healed by the fluoride, when the fluoride gets incorporated into the crystal structure of the tooth called fluoraptite, that healed area of the tooth becomes highly acid resistant. In other words, it's harder to get a cavity in the same spot. So the big question that people should be asking themselves right now is, well, when you apply fluoride to teeth, whether it's in toothpaste or rinse, and you apply it for about a minute to two minutes, and you spit it out, and you rinse afterwards, how much of that fluoride gets absorbed by the gums and the cheeks? And that's, that's the real important question. In other words, what is the systemic effect of fluoride applied directly to the tooth and then not swallowed? or not ingested? And the answer is, there's no study out there that shows that there's any systemic effect of topically or tooth-applied fluoride. So what's happening is, you have people who go on the internet and read books and learn about the ill health effects of systemic fluoride, and they right away assume that it gets all absorbed into your body from brushing your teeth or rinsing with it. And so what they do is they discontinue fluoride use, and then their tooth decay goes up, and their mouth gets devastated. That's the problem. Okay, so People yes, don't to the understand. topical fluoride. I would say yes. Yes to the topical, now here's, but now here's no the thing. to the systemic. Exactly. So here's the thing. 
everyone has different risks. So if you're someone that has never had a cavity all your life, then you don't really need topical fluoride. However, if you're someone that every time you go to a dentist every six months or every year and you get a couple of cavities, you know what? You're high risk of tooth decay and you should use preventative measures. Now, I would like to, so that's, that's kind of my opinion. You have, you can't just say carte blanche to everyone. You gotta brush with fluoride. You gotta rinse with fluoride. You have to look at it on a case by case basis. So if you're somebody that always gets cavities and don't use fluoride because you're terrified of its systemic effects, well don't drink it. Don't ingest it, but you may want to use it on your teeth. Okay, so what about, what like uh, do, let's move on to, yeah. to another uh, topic, just because we're running short of time, and I wanted to make sure we cover uh, quite a bit for our listeners. Yeah. Um, another common thing that we see is teeth whitening. Now, you can walk in any supermarket, any pharmacy, <laughs> down the aisle, there are all sorts of teeth whitening um, products right. out there in the malls. They have stalls mm-hmm. dedicated oh, yeah. to teeth whitening. Sure. So, yeah. so, is this safe? Is this safe? Here's the thing. What studies show is that people who have nicer teeth or straight teeth than white teeth, um, they actually are perceived as more intelligent. So somebody that has like bad yellow crooked teeth are Unfortunately, the perce- you know, perception is reality. And yeah. I hate to say that people with crowded and crooked and, and yellow teeth are perceived as less intelligent and less attractive um, to the other people. So a lot of people want to do is they want to whiten their teeth because they understand that or they understand that they will look better with whiter teeth. So all tooth whitening, okay, works through a peroxide gel. Now, the difference between over-the-counter products and dentist-supervised products is the concentration of the gel. Now, I can't really speak about over-the-counter products because I really don't know the concentration of the gel in those products. And a lot of the -the over-the-counter products, what they do is they add acid to the product because acid can frost or etch the tooth, kind of like if you've seen frosted glass, you know, it appears a little whiter. Yeah. So you actually destroy the outer layer of the enamel with acid to give like a false whitening effect. And I think that's a problem. So I think if you're going to whiten your teeth, then I would say go with a dental supervised whitening. So there are basically two types of whitening. Three, I would say three types of whitening that's available through the dentist. One is a low peroxide concentration gel. That is, that is applied into a soft silicone tray that's custom made for your mouth, almost like a, like an Invisalign retainer or like a night guard almost, like a very thin night guard. And the, the studies that, actually tooth whitening is probably the most studied <laughs> dental procedure ever. And we have about 25 years of research on tooth whitening. The low concentration overnight whitening. Then what happened was people wanted, you know, we want, especially Americans, want everything done yesterday. We want it quick, 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 quick. So what, what companies started doing is they started upping the concentration of the gel and lowering the application time. And what happened was 
what we learned over trial and error is that the higher the concentration and the shorter the, the application time, the worse the results. So the best way to whiten your teeth is using at night, low concentration, low side effects gel. The next choice is to use a daytime gel, which is applied between 30 minutes and an hour, but it's higher concentration, more side effects, less effect, less whitening effect. And I would say the worst way to whiten your teeth, which happens to be also the most expensive way to whiten your teeth, is in a dental office that's what's called power whitening, where they apply the gel to your teeth and they shine a bright light on it. The problem with this technique saying, is that, let me first just, of all... Let me just clarify. You said that that's the worst way to do it. That's the worst way to do it. Okay. And the reason is... The way tooth whitening works is when you apply the gel to the teeth, it breaks up into oxygen and other byproducts. And the oxygen begins to slowly diffuse through your enamel into the core or the center of the tooth, and it actually lightens the dentin because enamel is basically translucent or relatively clear. What you're whitening is actually the inside of the tooth. And so, but diffusion, as we all know, from high school chemistry, takes time. And so what studies show is that the more you whiten your teeth, the, lo- you know, the longer the application time, the more your enamel actually becomes permeable to oxygen. So if you're doing the at-night low-concentration gel, you're giving the oxygen time to diffuse and to whiten the tooth. So the reason... In-office, one-hour whitening is the least effective is because, number one, you haven't given the gel or the the oxygen enough time to pass through the enamel. And because you've never whitened it before, your enamel is not oxygen permeable, so the effect is the worst. But what happens is it's very popular because people want a quick effect and a quick result. And the only problem, the other problem with in-office whitening is the light has been shown in numerous studies to have zero effect on tooth whitening. In other words, it's an, it's an expensive gimmick. And that's one of the other dirty little circuits of dentistry, that all those fancy lights that you shine on teeth during tooth whitening are just for show. They don't do anything. And there's I'm, I'm many sure my listeners are very happy they tuned in today. <laughs> Because many so, times that, this is the, what we're That's told. the problem. You know, it looks fancy. It looks like you're, it's a, you know, it's a gizmo. A lot of dentists call it a laser when, in fact, all it is is a blue light, a filtered blue light, and it doesn't do anything. What it does do, it dries out your teeth. And what happens is if you take a rock, if you go to the street, pick up a rock, and wet half of the rock, the wet side will look darker than the dry side. And that's called desiccation or drying. Of the tooth, so the, the dry side is actually lighter than the wet, dark side. So when you sit, you know, underneath that light for an hour with your teeth exposed to air, basically, and your tooth enamel dries out, when you take the gel off and you look in the mirror, and a dentist will run and give you a mirror immediately after takes the gel off, <sighs> your teeth actually appear whiter, and they look great, but it's a false positive because what happens is. After about a week, when your teeth rehydrate, that effect goes away. 
And there was a study that just recently came out of the University of Ohio that showed this effect. And what the study showed is that, it, you know, light-assisted power whitening, people got good, better results in a week, but at week number two, the results were the same, light or no light. Mm. So there you go. You have wow. to look at the, at the data. Yeah, this is, this is really great information you're sharing with us. So if you want to whiten your teeth, mm-hmm. I would say the safest way is go to the dentist, have a mold taken, and choose the cheapest, least expensive, at-home, nighttime whitening. And a little tip for patients is the only side effect of this technique is some transient tooth sensitivity. It lasts for about, if it happens, it lasts for about three to five days. However, if you use any toothpaste for, for sensitive teeth like Sensodyne or any other brand that's for sensitive teeth two weeks prior to whitening and during the whitening, that tooth sensitivity will, will be greatly, greatly, greatly reduced if not eliminated. Dr. Diane A. Thompson is an author, a dynamic speaker, and a workshop leader. If you would like to hire her to speak at your event, please visit www.drdianethompson.com. Also, sign up for updates and for her free ebook on stress at www.drdianethompson.com. That's www.drdianethompson.com. Uh, so again, this is Dr. Alex Schwarzman, and he's a holistic dentist and the author of Your Path to Healthier Dentistry, A Holistic Approach to Keeping Your Teeth for a Lifetime. I wanted to ask this question because a couple of people actually asked on my Facebook page as well as emailed me about it, um, and it is the question of bad breath. You know, they say, hey, I brush my teeth uh, all the time, I floss. Is there something I can do because my breath still doesn't smell fresh? So what is the, the cause in many cases, and what is it that people can do to help uh, okay. prevent halitosis? Well, as we all know, there are certain foods that cause bad breath, garlic and onions, and that's because they contain sulfur compounds. What's interesting is there are sulfur compounds in two amino acids that we eat, and some of that, those amino acids get trapped in our gums, and they're called, they, they release what's called volatile sulfur compounds, and there are actually rinses that can neutralize these compounds, but that's kind of rare. It's kind of like when you try everything and nothing works, it's probably the volatile sulfur compounds, and there are various rinses um, that are available, and you could ask your dentist about it. Your dentist should know about this because this, this phenomenon has been written about in the dental literature uh, a lot. So one of the, one of the other reasons, and I think the, the predominant reason why people have bad breath is there's a lot of plaque on their tongue and or they have active gum disease. So let's talk about the tongue because that's a really easy solution. Go to any pharmacy or, uh, you know, on, on the Internet and buy yourself a tongue scraper. If you stick your tongue out and your tongue is covered in a film, it's covered in bacterial plaque, basically. A lot of people um, misdiagnose themselves and they think it's candidiasis or, or yeast infection. But I would say 99% of the time, it's just plaque gathering on your tongue because your tongue is made up of little tiny projections called papilla and they trap 
you know, food particles and bacteria and plaque. And if you get a tongue scraper and just scrape your tongue in the morning and before you go to bed and look at what's on it, you will never, ever stop doing that because it's, it's really remarkable. <laughs> I'm, I'm, amazed, I'm amazed by that all the time. And what happens is when we speak, and especially when we speak a lot, our mouth gets dry. And just like, you know, when you have low tide and you walk on the beach, it's a little stinky. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, if you look at the back of your hand, let it dry and smell it, it's going to smell like the beach at low tide. So one of the things, that, so when you have this kind of schmutz on your tongue, this plaque on your tongue, and you're talking a lot, and your tongue, your mouth gets a little dry, it's going over this plaque layer, and your breath can be perceived as bad. So scrape your tongue. If you talk a lot, like we're doing right now, drink plenty of water. The other main reason, probably I would say the main reason for bad breath, is gum disease. And gum disease, what studies show is that about 85% of the population have some stage of gum disease. And that's a whole other topic in and of itself. But there's something that dentists refer to as perio-breath. Now, perio means gums. And so people who have active gum disease have a very distinct bad breath. And... One of the best things you can do is, is go to the dentist and actually have a gum evaluation or gum exam where they measure the gums with a, with a round-ended ruler and diagnose you if you have gum disease. And if you do, there's various therapies that are available today to treat gum disease. Among them are non-surgical therapies and also surgical therapies. However, there's also laser-assisted gum disease treatment, which is phenomenal because it's minimally invasive, which is right up my alley, and it kills the bacteria underneath your gums, and there's several several lasers out there that help to treat gum disease, and the studies have been very, very, very supportive of this technique. So you don't have to have your gums sliced and sutured and, and stitched anymore. You could have laser therapy. Mm. to treat gum disease. So A, get a tongue scraper. B, drink plenty of water if you talk a lot. And C, make sure you don't have active gum disease. Probably 90% of the time, that'll solve your problem. Mm -hmm. You know, it can come come from the stomach, but I would say that's the exception, not the norm. Okay. Great advice there. Uh, Give us a glimpse of the future of dentistry. Oh. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I think what's going to happen, and I really hope this happens in my career, in my lifetime. I hope I live to see this. They are growing teeth. They are bioengineering teeth. There's, there are, this work is being done in Columbia University in New York. This work is being done in China and in Japan. And I've already seen, you know, pictures of bioengineered teeth. So someday, if you lose a tooth, you're going to go to the dentist. They're going to, you know, swab your cheek, collect some cells, and grow a tooth bud or using stem cell Amazing. therapy. And, and today you could actually get stem cells from fat <laughs> so you can get a little liposuction. <laughs> and you can actually uh, get stem cells from that. And you could actually grow teeth. Uh, what's, what's emerging right now in dentistry is something called CAD-CAM dentistry, 
which is computer-assisted design and computer-assisted milling, uh, which is basically, instead of taking those goopy rubber molds of teeth, we could actually take a three-dimensional scan of your tooth, design the missing part of the tooth in a computer, mill it out of beautiful porcelain, and bond it into the tooth right in one visit. And this is the type of technology I actually use in my office, and it's called CEREC. And you can actually have crowns, veneers, onlays, partial crowns, you know, porcelain fillings made in one visit versus before it, it takes one to two to even five visits. And what we're doing, you know, today I'm actually making bridges at it with using this technique. And what's great about this technique is that it's super accurate. In other words, the restorations fit perfectly onto your teeth. Um, the other emerging field of dentistry are lasers, and there's many different types of lasers for many different approaches. Um, and basically, so laser dentistry is, is the future. And one of the other things that's coming down the pike is plasma. Uh, they call them plasma drills, but they're basically little mini plasma torches that are cold. In other words, they don't heat the tooth, and someday we'll be treating cavities with a plasma knife. Mm. So that's coming down the pike. Um, another great, pro another great um, modality is ozone. Unfortunately, we're one of the few countries in the world that F there's no FDA does not, has not approved ozone for dental use. Now, what ozone does, it kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi very effectively with zero adverse effect on human cells. So you can selectively kill bacteria. Unfortunately, our government feels we shouldn't be using in dentistry. Now, there are some dentists that use ozone in this country, and they're using it illegally at the, you know, at the risk of their license. So in my opinion, I want to be around with my license to help people, I choose not to use ozone because I don't want to risk my license. So there are, you know, good guys and good women out there who smuggle ozone machines from Canada, from Australia, from Mexico, and they're helping people with it. But at, you know, I think a great risk to their careers, which, you know, I think is dangerous. So yeah, and we don't want you losing your license either because uh, we love a dentist who loves what he's doing. So, <laughs> um, I know, do have know, a... Yes. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, finish up. Oh, uh, no, and, and, you know, about ozone, you know, there are alternatives to ozone, like lasers that are legal and, you know, also effectively kill bacteria. So, you know, so I use lasers a lot. Mm -hmm. Excuse me? No, so yeah, there are yeah, options so out there. We don't have to do ozone. There, there, are, yeah, there are alternatives to ozone mm -hmm. um, that are legal, you know, mm -hmm. and FDA approved. So. Okay. All right. And so, I mean, we are um, in our last few minutes of the show. I mean, there, you shared so much wonderful information. And actually, I had so many other questions for you. And so you have to come back. Um, but I, I love to leave my listeners with a tip of the week because, um, and you actually gave so many already, but uh, I love to have a call to action. And so they like to know what to do, what one thing they can do this week. And so for you, what is the single most important thing that you think our listeners should do today to ensure that they have healthy teeth for a lifetime? 
Um, I just read a very interesting study uh, this weekend, and mm-hmm. that uh, three out of ten people in this country don't see a dentist at all. And I think at the very least you should do is, is have an examination. You know, a lot of dental disease doesn't hurt. So gum disease is a we call it the painless epidemic. A lot of tooth decay doesn't hurt. When your tooth hurts, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of damage has been done. And most cavities don't hurt. And surprisingly, I have seen massive infections and tumors in people's mouths, and they were completely unaware. So please, please, please get a checkup and go to a dentist that spends time with you. You know, unfortunately, the insurance industry is forcing dentists to rush and, you know, not spend the adequate amount of time with the patients. Find a dentist, you know, make the choice with your dollars. Find a dentist that spends time with you, you know. A cleaning should take an hour, not 15 minutes. So go to a dentist who's thorough. Choose with your dollars. Make the right choices. And I think if the public, if the population as a whole makes the choices, then the industry will be forced to make changes. That's sage advice. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you or get a hold of your book? Um, they can go on my website. It's smithtownsmiles.com. I also write a blog on my website. Read it. You know, I, I, I write about all the new articles and all the new studies that come out that pertain to dentistry. You could learn about lasers and root canals and all, all the information we talked about today is on my website, smithtownsmiles.com. And just kind of read through it. You know, I encourage you to read my blog. You know, you can find me on Facebook. I, I share my blog to my, to my Facebook page. And just educate yourself. You know. Wonderful. I, I actually read some of your blogs and they're, they're really great. I mean, they're filled with Great information. So I, too, encourage people to go there and, and get some information. And, and so, and of I'd course, I... come back and talk about root canals. I want, to, I want you to come back. There's so much more I want you to come back and talk about. I mean, I think dental health is so important and so underrated. So I really want you to come back and, and we can talk more about those subjects. Again, this is Dr. Alex Schwarzman, and he's a holistic dentist. And you should check out his book. It's called Your Path to Healthier Dentistry, A Holistic Approach to Keeping Your Teeth for a Lifetime. And once again, I thank you so much for coming on the show. The link to your website is both on the Blog Talk uh, page as well as I will be adding it to my Facebook page. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Dr. Schwarzman. And thank you for having the show to educate the public. I think we're thank doing you. a phenomenal service to the people. Yes, thank you so much. I, I really believe that people should be um, empowered with information so they can mm-hmm. make good health decisions. Yes. Absolutely. So, again, thanks. Take, All right. Take care. Take charge of your health. That's take right. Care. There Bye-bye. you go. <laughs> bye bye. All right, that was Dr. Schwarzman, um, and again, great information. His book, again, is called uh, Your Path to Healthier Dentistry, A Holistic Approach to Keeping Your Teeth for a Lifetime. He had a lot of great information. Uh, I also want to thank you, the listeners, for joining me. You come every week, and you're loyal, and I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much for coming, and 
You know, I knew that at the beginning of this show that you would leave at the end knowing more than what you knew at the beginning, and I know that's, that's the case for sure. So thank you for hanging in there with our technical difficulties. Um, you know, I want to remind you that your health um, is indeed your wealth, and many times we do nothing until we've lost our health. So uh, please do something healthy for yourself this week. And perhaps, as Dr. Schwarzman said, you the thing to do is to go make that appointment. Go, go make that appointment for that checkup and get your dental health under control. And one thing I want to leave you with this week, um, you know, I, I, it, I had a, one of those light bulb moments in the beginning of the show when um, the switchboard just was not working. I could not click him over and um, normally in the middle of a, a show that's on the air that's live, uh, what one is tempted to do is to panic. And, you know, I, I realize that when things don't go as planned, and many times that will happen in life, they won't go as planned. And it's actually okay. You don't panic. Just calmly look at your options. Go with the flow. One of the things I remind myself is that, I am not on this show for myself. I'm on this show to increase your knowledge. So whatever it takes, you know, we we log out, we get back in and get them on and get the information to you because that is the goal. And maybe it doesn't uh, happen as perfectly as it should, and that's okay. I mean, that's life. And, and so when that was happening in the beginning, I thought, you know, this is life. I'm not going to panic. We're going to figure it out, and we're going to get through it, and that's what you do when, when problems arise. So, again, I thank you uh, for sticking in there. Do something healthy for yourself this week, and we'll see you next week. Next week will be a great show. We actually have a nutritionist who uh, she wrote a book about uh, preventing recurrence of breast cancer using nutrition, and we know that nutrition is uh, something that we have to consider when we're thinking about medicine these days. You have to think about what you eat how you eat, how well you take care of yourself. So definitely join us next week. I look forward to seeing you on the broadcast. Have a great evening, everyone, and have a fabulous week. You've been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD. Please join us every other Sunday on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Diane Thompson at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to listen to past shows, or would like our free ebook on stress, please visit www.drdianethompson.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dr. Diane A. Thompson. Remember, your health is your wealth. So do something healthy today.